And welcome to another episode of the VD Clinic. With you as always, I'm Vanessa. And here with me as always is Darren. Hello. Yes. I am much more like a chimp than a cheetah, I would have to say. Thank you. If you remember. (laughs) Yes, I had to stop and remember the line. Uh, Thank you. Yes. There's so many... There's so many uh, good lines in here. And uh, we, of course, are talking about Jim Carroll's The Basketball Diaries and the film adaptation of the same name. So, yeah, uses a lot of the same language. But before we get to that, how are you doing, Darren? I am doing all right. How about yourself? Just dandy. Just dandy. Um. I've been reading the this book, and I'm kind of like, hmm, should I go get high? Hmm. <laughs> it helps. It it really it makes you it's 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 got a one track mind. <laughs> yeah, this movie or this well, this movie came out. Uh, I think I was thirteen or fourteen when it came out, and I read the book shortly after, and it really. I was just getting into, you know, the beat writers and stuff. I was like, oh, cool. A beat writer from closer to now. Is kind of how I was, how I was seeing this when I was first getting into it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I, I don't know. I don't know where to, where to go from there. I, I guess I should ask. When when were you first? Uh, how how did you get into the? Or we were either of these your first time through? I don't think so. No no no. I'd seen this quite a while ago. I actually owned it on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. Yeah, but um, and I don't think it's on Blu-ray. <laughs> I've got a DVD of it, so I didn't. Look. Yeah, I have a DVD of it. I have a DVD of it. But, um, and like you said, I don't know if that was before we came into the show, but you said it has kind of an after school, uh, special vibe in. <laughs> yeah. It, like an eighties after special with 1990s lighting. Well, and let me tell you something. I wanted to get into this. So, okay. So first of all, let's, let's talk about Jim Carroll. Before I get into the director of this movie, because I have something to say about the director of this movie. Oh, okay, cool. I I look forward to that. But we're talking about Jim Carroll first? Yeah, let's talk about Jim Carroll first. When's the first you were exposed to Jim Carroll? Was it this movie? Um, Because I was exposed to Jim Carroll before, like his music before this movie. I, I have to check the date, but I feel like... I was first, uh, I I think it was before I was recording, but I, I mentioned Rancid, the band Rancid. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know. We never really talked about that much, but did you ever listen to them? Yeah. Uh, they have an album that came out this same year that the movie came out. So I'm pretty sure this was my first introduction to uh, Jim Carroll was on their album and out come the wolves. There's a song called mm-hmm. Junkie Man. Yeah. And in the middle of Junkie Man, they found out that Jim Carroll was recording a uh, spoken word album or something like that, or uh, something of his, some of his poetry. Right. So they went down the hall in the studio and begged him to make up a poem to put in the middle of their song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I heard that song. It was, it's one of my favorite albums of theirs. And I was really into them then. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? And, you know, you're still looking through the liner notes. I was like, oh, Jim Carroll. Oh, hey, look, there's a movie about Jim Carroll. And then, oh, Jim Jim Carroll's band is all over the soundtrack for this movie. Yeah. And then there's Jim Carroll later on playing like Pinewater Jim or Pinewater, some, uh, some junkie dude. Yeah. Uh, from the original book. So it was like all at once. But it started yeah. with, with Rancid. And you said it was the music? Yeah. Okay. Just because I was listening like Patty Smith type, no. you know, that kind of stuff. And this was just in that genre. Doesn't he talk about her? Did you ever read the books that he did after this? I've read one other. Was like I've down- read I've read more poetry than I mean okay. he's only got three prose books. Right. Yeah, I think like living is living at the movies a poetry book or is that a prose? Uh, one of the other, one of the other prose books was called uh, the Downtown Diaries, and I think in a portion of that he's living with Allen Ginsberg, and I yeah. think he talks about Patty Smith in there. Yeah, so they dated, and he lived with her and Robert Maplethorpe at one point. Yeah. Like of how he did. Cra- how crazy is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, see, and I'm a I love Maplethorpe. <laughs> like, <laughs> I found out a lot more about him than I ever knew when I read her uh, first biography, or, or that book what was it called Just Kids or Kids? Yeah, or... just just kids. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I I discovered Patty Smith through Robert Maplethorpe. Through his artwork of her in the 80s. And the, I mean, well, his photos, whatever, from the 70s, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> she was his muse. I'm like, who is this? Cra- who is this woman? Yeah. This, this, yeah, this goddess. Like the punk rock Stevie Nicks. Or, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I started finding out about her and I knew and I heard she was a musician, too, and a, you know, a poet and. Which, yeah, and that's so Jim Carroll, I started, and I started getting into a lot of that kind of, that whole scene, Laurie Anderson, you know, that's my kind of, (laughs) that's my jam. (laughs) (laughs) So we both came into Jim Carroll through music, but in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And then the, and then the movie came out probably... I don't know. A few years later. Yeah. Oh, okay. And were you... Was it a movie that 
was on your radar because you knew of Jim Carroll or I don't remember the marketing for the film. Actually it was. It was on my on my radar because of that. But um you know Leonardo DiCaprio was just becoming he was just his career was just taking off because it was after he did whatever happened uh Gilbert Grape Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like feel- so, he he was already he was just starting to get attention in his career because he had done that movie. Okay. You know that was when his career really was starting to take off. He was a rising star. Yeah. And somewhat fittingly, I I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night. With, mm-hmm. with the missus she she hadn't seen it yet yeah uh, so one of his first movies and his most recent movie i guess it, it, over the weekend yeah i like his hair better now than his 90s hair i mean he kind of had the same oh, haircut of course. in all of his movies of course just, this is my hair i'm leonardo dicaprio that'll mean something later but this is my haircut it's kind of the same haircut i had on growing pains but it's it's not 90s. as it's not quite yeah that yeah there's a certain the 80s and 90s flares to that haircut were a little bit much but <laughs> he's yeah right he's pretty much had the same haircut and uh, Marky he was still Marky Mark Wahlberg yeah okay so so I want to here's where I want to get to the director Scott Calvert. The name didn't mean anything to me, so I had to go to IMDb. He was a huge music video director. Oh, he, okay. One of his first videos was DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Oh, really? He did Parents Just Don't Understand, Nightmare on My Street, like some other Fresh Prince stuff. Like some Eric B and Rakim, uh, Taylor Dane, Samantha Fox, like cool Modi, like just all these crazy like eighties, and then um, didn't his and life end tragically? He pardon? Didn't his life end uh, abruptly? Yeah, he did. But what I was gonna say is that. He directed a bunch of Marky Mark and the fun, Funky Bunch videos. <laughs> oh. That so, was part. He had directed them before this movie came out. <laughs> so he's like, hey, you can play an asshole, right? Pretty much. He directed the Salt and Pepper Shoop video. Really? Yes. Nice. So anyway, that's where this guy comes from. He he's done he did very few movies. Most of it was mu- music videos. But there's some really iconic ones in there for yeah. the the 80s and 90s era. Okay, that would kind of explain why they did the stoop shit on a sound stage instead of location. Cuz he's more music video. Yeah. Than movie. Yeah. Well, interesting trivia is the um, where they were playing basketball 
was Forest Hills High School. And do you know what that is? It sounds familiar. That's where the Ramones went to high school. <laughs> oh, cool. And they just got, it was just renamed a few years ago, Ramones High School. Okay, so I've got to move to New York before Danzig goes to high school. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's out It's out in Queens, yeah. Okay. Um, that doesn't count as New York? <laughs> Sorry. It is, no, it is. But okay. <laughs> I'm um, just saying, it's in Queens specifically. Uh, I've, I feel like I've been to Queens before. Uh, more, more, most of the time, but well, I used to, I used to live near there. Okay, actually, it's a, it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, send my kid to Ramones High School, since there is yeah. no rock and roll high school that I know of. Yeah, uh -oh. but that's where they played the That's where they shot the basketball scenes for this movie. Cool, like all of them, like him and Eddie and their. But like the weird, the courts rainy... indoors, the high school courts oh, indoors, the indoor stuff. Okay. That was there? And I think maybe outdoor courts too, but all those indoor courts were off Forest Hills High School. Oh, man. The the basketball scenes in this. Were they all in slow motion? Or is that just... <laughs> so, so many of them were, not all of them. And I have to say, I'm a huge basketball fan, and it was interesting to read the book... And here it takes place in what starts off in 64. Yeah, there's definitely, well, let me see, 64, fall of 63 is okay. the very beginning. That's where it starts. And so, you know, if you know anything about basketball, like basketball and who was being like, he name checks all these different people like he, he I mean he name checks Kareem before he changed his name so he's like okay Lou Alcindor and he's talking about playing with him or against him rather in uh. whatever New York league like it which is kind of crazy I had forgotten about those kinds of things I knew that Lou Alcindor was a famous basketball player but I yeah. had no idea that they were the same guy <laughs> Yeah, no, and I and and what I and uh, what I've learned about Kareem and him, how he you know came up through uh, some of the different places because this you know the way he describes New York City, um, uh, and knowing what I know about the different neighborhoods that are described in here, mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting because he's talking about he moves up to Inwood in Upper Manhattan. And now, and it, and how it was so Irish and so Irish Catholic, and now it's so Dominican. But there are still these pockets that they're these Irish Catholic families, and they have been there for like generations now. At this point, like it's still a heavy duty pocket of Irish culture, and it's you know you partly saw it in this book. It's just kind of interesting. And it was just a wider area in at the time that he was growing up. But um, I actually know someone who grew up like that in the 60s <laughs> in that area. <laughs> Still lives there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's one of the 
nowadays I would have rather that they not change it, but they aged up the kids for the movie and they didn't even do as hardcore shit as he does in the book. Of course. But if 1995, wasn't that still when Tipper Gore was having all of her fits? Um, they were still, they're recovering, but they hadn't really moved very far past it. So if these were all 13 year olds, yeah, they, it would have been a huge uproar if this had come out. And and these were, yeah, 12 or 13-year-olds. Because when you start in the book, that's, where, that's kind of what they are, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're all 12, 13-year-olds. I, I think the book ends when he's 17. I thought he was 16 at the end Is of he it. 16? Maybe. Yeah. Or make sixteen, almost seventeen. But because yeah, it, yeah, because it goes to sixty-six. So the book takes place over almost three whole years. Yeah. And but there's uh, since we're talking a little bit about cast, I mean Bruno Kirby as the or were we still talking about basketball? No. But Bruno Kirby is the, you know, I, I read the book really fa- right around, or reread the book right around when I rewatched the movie, but I don't really remember a coach trying to molest him in the book. I knew he had a gay coach. Well, right? he keeps talking about that he's grabbing their dicks. Oh, right. That's pretty molesty to me. Yes. <laughs> And they, I mean, whether he's, it's, it's not necessarily clearly beyond that stated that, oh, like graphically and long and detailed, but he does say that he's had his dick grabbed by him. That's true. That's true. I guess they had to congest it into one quick scene in the movie. He talks about it relatively casually in in the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he talks about a lot of shit really casually that I think yes. I wouldn't have been able to handle well, when I was 13. Well, the hustling, let's yeah. put that out there. You only see that once in the movie. Yeah, yeah. really close to the end after. And meanwhile, <laughs> he had been doing that a while. Yeah. In one way or another. Yeah, the, the descriptions of the bathrooms mm-hmm. in those scenes. And um, I don't know, I, I, especially early on, I feel like in the in the book, he th- there was that 13-year-old, you know, fear of homosexuals in a way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and then by the end of it, he's, you know. <laughs> he's he's lived a lot in those years and his perspective is highly changed, I think. Right. And he starts thinking about sex in a different way. Right, which, I mean, that's partly maturity, but also just he's, some, he's seen shit at that time. <laughs> like, he's just seen some shit by that point. <laughs> 
Oh, the one part that I really remembered was the, uh, to not really spoil it for anybody that hasn't read it yet, but the, the cat. Yeah. The, 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 the hustle with the cat mm-hmm. was one of the few parts that I remembered clearly from the last time I read the book. It's probably, it's, it's been a good. I had forgotten about that. Oh, you had? Yeah. How did that go? No, it was okay. It's, uh, but I just, I was just kind of like, oh, wow, I for, I just didn't, I forgot that it went here. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what, oh, shit. So we got, yeah, we got Marky Mark. We got half the cast of The Sopranos in this movie. Well, okay, so there, that's what's really interesting. You have people like, okay, DiCaprio and Wahlberg end up going, they go on to work together in The Departed. But by this point, DiCaprio had already worked with Juliette Lewis, who shows up in here as some junkie. Yeah, uh, Diane. Yeah, Diane. And then you have all of the people who were in The Sopranos... And or the or you know or other Martin Scorsese movies, yeah, you know, like Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco, and I mean uh, Michael. Oh shit! What's his name? Imperial. Imperly. Uh, Vincent Pastor uh, Pastore. Um, who else? There was another one. Then is, is uh, Vincent Pastore, the one who played Big Pussy in the Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's the yeah. construction worker who gets barfed on. And yeah, this. Well, you little prick. <laughs> and <laughs> I looks mean, so and young. I know, I know. Uh, not from The Sopranos, but Michael Rappaport as a skinhead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. And though that's that's one of the lines that I don't know if he took it from a movie, but the you know if we take this outside, one of us is gonna get hurt. He gets his ass kicked. <laughs> See, I told you one of us was going to get hurt. Uh, I'm glad they brought that over from the book. Yeah. But that, that sounds like something he... He doesn't talk about movies much. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I could see him popping into a theater and watching a Western uh, or something like that. But I don't know. But, yeah, well, well, Michael Rappaport. Although he wasn't a... It, 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 who that character was was a little different in the book. Right. Uh, oh, we got Ernie Hudson as Reggie. Yes. How can we forget Ernie Hudson? <laughs> Which um, that character's not in the book. No. He's, he's, he's a good transition. I think he kind of stood in a replacement of a lot of the, I, uh, you know, they skipped over a lot of the bad shit that happened to him while he was really deep into heroin and focused yeah. on his recovery in the movie. Yeah. Uh, at the, and that's part of the after school special sort of feel I was getting from it because yeah, it was, see, you lose your, you lose your school and you get kicked out and you're dirty and you're drooling and you piss on yourself. And you go to jail. Yeah. 
Um, did you notice on the DVD there's an anti-drug trailer? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was like, what on earth is this? I couldn't bring myself to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> I was like, I need to be really inebriated for that. I just... Especially in close comparison with the the book. The book doesn't glorify... No, it doesn't. ...being a drug addict, but it's not preachy. And I guess that's because it was his, mm -hmm. his, his journal, and I flipped back through some of my high school journals. Right. And... Yeah, I I definitely thought things I was doing was more awesome than they were sometimes, but I never really, yeah. Anyway. I No, I understand completely. This, you know, me when I was unmedicated and I was crazy manic, read some of those journals. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you're like, well, <laughs> um, yes. Medication is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I always kind of had a crush on Brittany Murphy or Brittany Daniel. Brittany Murphy, too, but Br Brittany Daniel. Uh, she was Blinky. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember what I had seen her in beforehand, but. That's just something I know. I don't think I ever noticed that that was her and her sister in this movie. I I don't know. Um, who was she? Damn it! <laughs> I don't never think I've seen either of them in anything. She was in Club Dread and Joe Dirt. In Club Dread, she was uh, like the Jane Fonda type. Did you ever? You never saw Club Dread? <laughs> I have seen it, but I'm trying to remember it. I've uh, I haven't seen it that many times. So the blonde girl that uh, the guy that played Farva and Super Troopers like has a crush on, but anyway. yeah. Anyway, I'm derailing us further. Uh, is there, are there That's any other people right. from the cast that uh, I mean we did? Well, yeah, Juliet no. Lewis. Yeah, I uh, saw her band a couple years ago. That was fun. Mm. But I feel like I've seen the guy that played Pedro, yeah, in something. But uh, oh no, I agree. I I same with me. Yeah, uh, oh, that's right. He was in Band of Brothers. That's what I remember him from. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> this many minutes in. Uh, hopefully, if you you've seen the Basketball Diaries, but. Uh, I mean, where where are we in the conver conversation? Should we be going through chronologically, or are we still bouncing around? We're we're bouncing around pretty much because it's difficult. This isn't written as a narrative, no. and the movie itself kind of pieces takes different pieces of the diary or the diaries plural. And moves them around, tries to move them around in some sort of logical semblance of storyline. <laughs> That's real. I mean, so it's not entirely strange for us to talk about things here and there. Yeah. And, and yeah, in the, in the book, even, it just has seasons. 
Right. It's not dates. You don't know how long it's been between some things and other things, or if it's in that order. Because if he, you know, he uh, later on, you know, you find out that he he did like the beat writers and stuff. So he could have done the the William Burroughs cut and paste. And it's just, okay, this is all from this season. Boom. Right. Um. see in the movie but it's, it's got the the teenage boys i guess that's um there aren't really many women in this movie i mean there's diane there's mom and there's what, winky and blinky and the crazy woman who lives next oh. door and prays marry the whore marry the hairdresser who swears and <laughs> prays yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it kicks off. There's there's a decent amount of DiCaprio uh, reading lines from the book as narrator. Yeah, yeah, it is out of order. the The Bobby stuff I feel like happens uh, different. Yeah, well, and they elaborate on that, which I think is, I mean, I think is fine to elaborate on that. Um. Hi, Zora. Hi, Zora. I know. You can tell that somebody has walked over and joined us. Um, always. But, it no, it's the fact that they elaborated on that and brought that in at a different point. Um, but then it seems like the career at the one school playing basketball on this specific basketball team is much longer than it was in the actual book where he was on more, he was on multiple teams in the book. Yeah. (laughs) So many, so many entries start with something along the lines of this team I'm on now. Yeah. Baseball and basketball is playing all sorts of leagues, but I think he does end up focusing more on basketball, but yeah, the, taking drugs before not knowing which pill is what roulette before the game. Uh, I feel like neutrons a little bit more, a little less in the book and a little more casual in the book. Yeah. Um, Cause it sort of fluctuates. There were times in the, mm-hmm. in the book where I mean he he's like homeless for a lot of the movie, or, you yeah. Know, and in the book, it just seems like he's just doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was gonna ask you, what do you think of the casting of the boys? Because, okay, DiCaprio was twenty one. When he did this. <laughs> and he's supposed to be playing 15. And and so you've got to cast everybody and, around his age. Well, and... And... Okay, granted, he looked a, a little young for that age. Yeah, you know? especially when they pull his bangs forward or whatever. You know, yeah. and he wasn't really heavy and built at that time. So he could get away with looking like a scrawny high schooler but 
You put him next to Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg was three is three years older, only three years older than DiCaprio. And how and he looks at least ten years older. <laughs> yeah. And Neutron looked like their substitute teacher. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pedro, you know, is He's short, but he doesn't look young. But he's this he's like the same age as uh that actor's the same age as DiCaprio. Okay. So, you know, and I'm like, okay, I could see that. I mean, maybe. Sure, that I get. Because, yes, yeah, some people do, well, you know, may look naturally a little bit older or a little bit younger. But you still buy them as close enough to be the same age. But it's true. The other two look so way out. <laughs> just so totally different. <laughs> the Mark Wahlberg one, though, I was just like, oh, my God, he looks so much older. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, yeah, you know, I, I think that's, I don't know. It's probably good that a lot of the times they were not sharing the same screen. They'd be doing, you know, shot on his face, shot on his face. Yeah. Or it, it probably would have been a little bit more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's it's funny how they do that. And then I, I wonder how... I, I don't know. I feel like Lorraine Bracco is older than I think she is. But what? She was born in the 50s. So she was... She was yeah. I guess she was a mom age in the, yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. But she's no. a woman in Hollywood, so... No, she was... <laughs> she was a... She was a she had already played. I mean, yeah, she was. Yeah. I mean, it's not crazy age, you know, inappropriate. But still, I mean, they aged. I don't know how I. I know that they had to age the character up from the book yeah. <laughs> for Hollywood. But uh, it's it's like it would have been at least good if you could have gotten an, a twenty one year old actor who at least looked a little bit younger. Fair point. Yeah, I I just feel like I mean even though yeah DiCaprio didn't look ancient, and I mean he carries it off I think truthfully with his performance. I mean he's one of those actors that I'm like I'm like. I like overall, but I don't love, mm -hmm. you know, I don't go crazy over whatever, but I'd say I like him overall. And this is, I think a more nuanced performance than some other things. Yeah. You know, especially coming off Gilbert grape. Right. Right. And, um, you know, he was still young. But I don't know. You, then you see Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg, I will say this is him. He's not someone I consider a good actor. But I feel like he can at, le he at least pulls it off here. Yeah. I, I, he's probably playing closer to He's probably to playing time. closer to himself. Yeah. But, 
you feel like he at least has a certain focus and as you know that he comes off as more smooth in a performance than some other ones that you've seen. Yeah, I think I think he might have oh, I don't know, maybe I'm just remembering it poorly, but I feel like he was more believable in this than he was in the happening. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's it's just... Yeah, like I said, I mean, he's not known for being a good actor, but it's... I mean, he's... You know, he... De- I mean, he did Boogie Nights, which I think he was, you know, really good in. Yeah. But... Uh, so he can do things, but... You know, not everything. He he still does some of those stupid action movies, you know. Oh, that's right. The Equalizer or Last, yeah. last Something Standing, Lone Survivor. I don't know. Those, Whatever. Yeah. Different. Yeah, different action movie. Different natural disaster. <laughs> yeah. Boogie Nights is good though. I like that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, with with my Basketball Diaries, the happening comparison, I find him more believable as an asshole teenager than a science teacher. Well, certainly any day of the week, <laughs> a thieving asshole teenager. Because you're right, it's probably you know not that far from something he's experienced. But even if he didn't experience certain things, I feel like he knows family members who did. <laughs> well, well, right. And there was that. Didn't he have some sort of plea deal on an assault charge? For oh, yeah. Beating oh, yeah. someone pretty brutally. Oh, yeah. And uh-huh. So, yeah. More he's got a little He's got a little bit of rage in him. Yeah. What was that uh, movie where he was a abusive boyfriend to Reese Witherspoon? Fear. Fear. <laughs> closer to type probably than yeah <laughs> anyway sorry anyway <laughs> this is not the mark Wahlberg has a questionable past podcast no um, no but yeah uh, <laughs> and I, I in the book they they i mean the book takes place in the 60s and the movie Seems like it takes place in the 90s. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of... Or even the 70s or 80s. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of leather, but that's not, you know, specifically one decade. But, you know, there's... I don't remember any flashy technology. I'm trying to remember, you know, that some of the titles of the movies when they yeah. walk by. But then you don't know if that's just well, this is the time we can shoot outside and they're not going to change their signs or if it's like, yeah, you know, Tarantino closing down three blocks to do the shot exactly as he wants it for the shit. But yeah, it it's definitely not the 60s, but... No, you feel like it could be the 70s or 80s, but not really the 90s. Because so, I at least found an area that was a little dumpy enough. Yeah. Um, 
So there's not the commentary about Vietnam. Right. And his... <laughs> it seems like he starts out not really giving a shit, and then he sort of talks about it like an anarchist a little bit later. Mm-hmm. You know, Marching doesn't oh, yeah. do anything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and the whole thing about where he goes to the communist meeting and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think other things. This is when uh, we were talking the book, not the movie. Right. But um, although who knows who he's given a speech to at the end? But I'm assuming it's some sort of writing class. Um, or theater. I'm wondering what, if it's something, if like some theater and like small theater in the West Village or whatever, where he might be doing, or cafe where he's just doing some sort of reading or performance. And we don't, yeah, and we don't know how much, uh, it, it doesn't say how much time has gone past at that no. point, right? It just sort no. of transitions into... He's obviously more put together. <laughs> he's obviously at least cleaner. Yeah. You know, he's Maybe not clean, but potentially clean. Trying to be, you know, he's, he he definitely he's doesn't to be clean. jump trying off to into the clean. alley to shoot up, with, shoot up with his old junkie friends. But there's a lot of room in between. Yeah, exactly. Um. And in real life, it was, I mean, a harder habit for him to kick than was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. It was a long time going and a lot of back and forth. And a couple times in and out of uh, Rikers, right? Yeah. And that was one thing that I thought was weird. I kind of prefer the book part where he just says, you know, I have no interest in writing in this yeah i'm in here instead of the little and it's nice but the little soliloquy about godfathers in the movie yeah, yeah. um but i don't know but uh, no that was one thing that i noticed where i was just like no really he it was it was making a point to say while he was behind bars he did not want to write he really did not want to write even though he should be able to use that time productively. He was just, yeah, that will had been sapped out of him. And here in the movie, they're like, no, it was a great time for me to write. <laughs> I got my head together. It made me productive. I, sh I sure no, learned my lesson. Yeah. It's exactly what it sounded like. I was just like, Oh, I mean, it could have been more obnoxious, but it wasn't. <laughs> I still felt like that a little bit, though. Yeah. I, I, I'm i curious how much studio interference there was. I, I feel like there would have been a lot of, you can't make it look like any of this stuff is good. Yeah. You just can't. You can't pretend like having sex is fun. Or <laughs> that it'll, yeah. Um I checked out the, uh, I think it was the, it was either the IMDB page or Wikipedia, but in the summary when uh, he and Neutron go 
to the twins' house or the yeah. sister's house. Mm-hmm. The the summary I saw said, and then they visit a house of prostitution. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> yeah. I don't even think he goes to a brothel anywhere in the book, and he's more likely to have done no. that in the book. He doesn't. Headquarters sounds like it's a little bit nicer in the book than they showed in the In the movie, it looks like a building that a bomb got dropped on. It's always dripping water. And there's just stairs to nowhere. Yeah. Um, but that that's where what that's where Jim Carroll talks to Jim Carroll. Yeah. And I think Frankie Pinewater, I think that's who he's credited as in the movie. Um sorry, I I feel like I abruptly stopped the conversation. No, you didn't. You're good. Um You're good. But I think we might be wrapping up on this part. Is there something we're forgetting to talk about? Um, I was going to ask you about the writing style of the book. Okay. I mean, obviously, because there are some lines read from the book in the movie, you see that. But, um, but style-wise, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Carol owes... A fair amount to the beats. Yes. With his rhythms and and structure. So I, I would say it's not a surprise to me that <laughs> either of us <laughs> was into reading this. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, yeah, there's the, the narrative style, especially kind of <laughs> thinks that maybe even at the very beginning. Mm hmm. Of writing this, he was somewhat imagining someone else reading it in the future. You can sort of tell the difference right. between something that's meant to be a diary, I think, or, you know, or, or I mean, I guess there is the, like we were just talking about with the, the beat influence, but I kind of feel like there's a difference in something that you never intend anyone else to read and you're just getting your thoughts out. Yeah. And stuff that you're sort of angling that way. Right. And, but yeah, you know, he works in his poetry into 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 his writings and mm-hmm. loves the descriptive words. You know, when he's talking about different styles of basketball play, about the presence, the difference between cheetahs and monkeys, which hopefully mm-hmm. there's not a he, he didn't seem to have any sort of racism that I saw. Uh, they didn't really talk about that in, in any of the sports. Um, I don't think am I missing. Well, he slings words around. However, he also makes it clear that these are his friends and that he doesn't have issues. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, I mean, kind of the same with gay people. Mm, yeah. The, the blank hustling. Same. Like, you know what I mean? There's a lot of language that's slung around that can be derogatory. But, you know, it's... A little more Archie Bunker than Ellen Ginsberg on occasion. Yeah. Uh, When it gets down to it, he's not 
he's not bigoted like that. Yeah, that's just those are the words he he used. And it's partly being young and stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. Saying stuff you're not supposed to. And especially that era. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's great, but you know, it's definitely one thing that is there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they've got the the stuff about the missile cri- the Cuban Missile Crisis, and stuff. Oh, I know. Yeah. So that that might have been cool if they if they had you know the conversation everybody has with the adaptation of a book to a movie. If it, if it had been to the time. I think it probably would have been easier to make that movie now than yeah. 1994, 1995. But hell yeah. Basketball Diaries. I don't, it didn't blow. I mean, nothing really does, but it, it wasn't, I didn't like it as much as I did when I was a teenager, but I, yeah. st- I still like both the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the writing style as to your original question that I tan- tangented it away from. Um, yeah, it, 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 it reads like it would be on the shelf next to a lot of the beat stuff. And at times, I think the older I get, I'm going to notice more, oh, this is definitely a, a kid writing. But other times he puts some really beautiful strings of words together. And then, yeah, other times his 13-ness is showing. Yeah. But there's, I mean, like, there's one point where, you know, how he's talked about getting certain highs and, you know, withdrawal from that. He then will start speaking about writing that way and how... It's like he has to get his fix and write. And and then it's all of a sudden you realize he's got he's not. Yeah, sure. He's he's a 13 year old, whatever. Little street punk. But (laughs) he's he's got so he had so much more going on. Yes. You know, and good that he was able to get some of it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah because unfortunately there are too many kids that do have i feel a talent that don't get it out like uh lorraine brocco mom says idle hands are the what the devil's play playpen plaything i know that's like a saying but yeah uh it made me wonder because of the comment he makes after she says that did he ever put anything out called that because he said that might be a good title for a book and I don't think I ever saw him put out a thing. And I don't remember the titles of any of his albums. No, I don't I don't remember that being a title, but I could be wrong. They're coming to take you away. Ha ha. They are. They're coming to take me away. So I guess that means we would both recommend these. Yeah. Yes? I mean... Question mark? <laughs> I mean I would I would recommend both of them. I know that the 
the book I wouldn't give to as many people as I would recommend the movie. But yeah, yeah, the the movie is a. I mean, it was a relatively mainstream movie. It was right, and it doesn't go too far. And if you like the movie but think it was a little tame, read the book. Yeah. And if you like anything like by the beat writers, I would recommend the book. Yeah, the 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 Kerouac, the Burroughs, the I don't want to say smaller names, the less notice, less less recognizable names. That's, yeah, yeah, it, it fits right in there, and that I mean it makes sense why he would gravitate towards Patty Smith and Allen Ginsberg. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And oh, I, I did want to say since we were wrapping up with that part, but we were talking in uh, the Facebook group about the person that cuts books in half or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you know, who am I who have definitely folded down pages to mark the page to cast a stone at someone? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that this this is the book that I got in in high school and there are definitely bent down pages. That's (laughs) that's what made me think of it. It just sort of came out. Not that I, well, I don't know. Anyway, that's a different conversation. That is. That is. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break and then we will be back to actually throw in a little uh, Oscar discussion and then we'll wrap up the show. Be back. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions. Or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael, hi. Uh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Okay, so we are back. Uh, we were going to wrap up the show, but first you said you've got some Oscar talk. Well, okay, so the Oscars are incredibly early this year. They're February 9th, you know, and last year we had done our whole big, our, our little Oscar special and our referral slip in February before the Oscars and our, gave our predictions, which we failed at, but that was okay. We, you know, we had our fun. And, um, this year I know I haven't seen tons of the nominees either, but I figured, um, since we were actually putting out this episode a little bit later than expected, so it didn't make it into the end of January, um, this is going to be in early February, but it'll be for the Oscars. Uh-huh. We're going to skip a referral slip in February because also February is a little bit shorter month. And so 
I'd throw in this little discussion. Okay. Um, I don't know. You can add whatever you want, I, but I was just, I wasn't going to go super into everybody, but I just figure here, here's some uh, basic uh, predictions that I'm throwing out there based, and it's based on really other awards like and nominations that have been out there. Because there have been a few. What they've there have been was it the Emmys or the Golden Globes that happened? Recently? The Golden Globes, but then there have also been uh, like SAG awards, like all these different things, like all these different awards things have already started happening. Okay. Um, everybody's been just schedule has been pushed up because the Oscars got a hair up their butt. <laughs> like everybody else I'm talking to my friend Adam who's a member of the producers guild and he's like yeah it's ridiculous how quickly we have to have our ballots in this year and but and the short amount of time between getting the ballots in and actually voting and he's talking about like granted it's a digital age you can speed certain things up um but there are certain guilds or whatever organizations where the voting is still paper ballot. Really? And yeah. And I think the Oscars is one that's still paper ballot, but they've forced because they decided they wanted their schedule shorter. They pushed everybody else up. So I guess they are figuring people, they don't want people to be as influenced as, you know, by other things. I don't know. So, anyway, here's what I have to say. Um, I think lead actor is going to go to Joaquin Phoenix for the Joker. Um, just because so many, you have so many things there that seem like, okay, people have been, yeah, gotten praise for, but not as much praise. You know, just that pure fact alone. And people who've said, even if they didn't like the Joker... They were praising Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Okay. Yeah. Um, for supporting actor, I I do think that it is going to end up going to Brad Pitt. He he won uh, one one of the things that I had seen. Uh, he won the Golden Globe. Okay. And he's won. He's been winning. I think. What was it? Did they have the SAG awards? I think they had the SAG. They had yeah, some guild. They had some gu guild awards. Already. They've had multiple ones already. I mean, that that's what I mean. I can't even keep track of it. It's gotten crazy. But you want to know what I think is crazy is that as far as the nominees in supporting role like actor goes, they put Tom Hanks for the Mister Rogers movie in this category. Who is Wait. he supporting? Who's he? Right. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. But I think they were so afraid to put him in the lead actor because they didn't want him him to have to go up against Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. Isn't that yeah, crazy? That that makes so much sense though. Isn't that crazy? But who is he supporting? I don't know how they say that. Hey, well, Mr. Rogers supported all of us. I guess. But that's yeah. Is that not like, hysterical? It was like because we can't not give Tom Hanks an Oscar. Yeah. So who are we? <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. 
well, I guess Tom Hanks might lose, but yeah, maybe that was like, well, yeah, I don't know. The that that makes sense. Isn't that hysterical though? It's. <laughs> oh, what was it? I don't know. Yeah, that's award shows never made sense to me. Yeah. And then um, performance by a lead actress. I think it's going to be Renee Zellweger for Judy Gar- the Judy Garland movie. Uh, Judy. I just... Oscar loves it when you put on prosthetics and you imitate someone, for one. And I'm looking at you, Nicole Kidman, and the hours. <laughs> Is that a Virginia Woolf thing? Yes. That's what I thought. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I'm just saying that there were other performances that were, I don't know, Renee, was, Renee Zellweger, I just don't think of her as, I haven't seen the movie, okay, so I can't say completely for sure, but I just don't think of her as having quite the range to play Judy Garland knowing who Judy Garland was even in her later days when she was just a disaster you know yeah Judy Garland was a whole other level of special and I there's so few people can match that and yeah and do you think, is it the blank anniversary of her death or anything like that? Well, last year was the 50th anniversary. Okay. Because she died the night of the Stonewall riots or night before. That's right. And yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, award shows. And there's, <laughs> there's a reason for everything they do, even if we don't mm-hmm. know it. Right. Yeah. Um. Um. So for best director, I think it's going to go to Sam Mendes for 1917. I've heard and a lot I, of good stuff about. That. And I think the best picture is going to go to 1917. I, it's just all of a sudden gotten the whatever buzz and everything in all these different. I don't know, awards, organizations and guilds and stuff. It's just a war movie. That's, that's all. That's another fallback for like the Academy. Yep. They like war movies, war movies. And I'm not saying a war movie can't be good, but it, it creates blinders towards other things that are out there. Yeah. And, (laughs) uh, and I mean, at least Parasite, I think, will get the best foreign feature. Well, there we go. Because they've been racking up some awards mm-hmm. leading up to this. And I think Tarantino's going to get original screenplay. Okay. Has he ever won an yes. Oscar? He has? What, he for has. Pulp Fiction? or? Um, I think, yeah. Um. I'm sure you're going to get to it, but you, you've got to, do you have a call for costume design? Um, 
where was it? I was just looking and costuming. Uh, uh, <laughs> I I don't know. It's a hard thing to say because I mean, are they going to go real? Which period clothing are they going to go for? That's I mean, that's what it is for the most part this year. I mean, well, like I don't probably not Joker then. I don't think it's going to go for Joker. I could, I'd see it going more for like Little Women or Irishmen. Is Jojo Rabbit going to get anything? I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. No, I haven't seen it either. I saw that they were one of the nominees for costuming. Mm hmm. And uh, they're a nominee for Best Picture, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that's available for streaming and Blu-ray and stuff early February. I missed it. Uh, mm -hmm. It was, I mean, it might've played longer, but there were definitely a few weeks at a couple theaters here playing and I just didn't get out to it. I thought it was going to be easier to get to. And I, I don't know if I think that they want more people to have seen the Oscar movies, but they also mm -hmm. like to keep those movies in the theaters as long as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Let's see what did you got those are like the big ones i know there's yeah those are the big ones and i i mean i wasn't gonna go into really anything else um you know yeah what sound editing and i'm but i will say i mean it and john williams is nominated for i think his 67th oscar <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh-huh. For, you know, best score. And, you know, so Elton John and Bernie Taupin had to write a song for Rocket Man because their old stuff couldn't be nominated. They'd had to do a new song. In order to get nominated, which is why they created a new song for Cats. It was Andrew Lloyd Webber and Taylor Swift, but that one didn't get nominated. <laughs> I think it's kind of hysterical. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's a pretty awful song. <laughs> Like, either from a Broadway point of view or a Taylor Swift point of view, it's just bad. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're going to do the in memoriam. Are there, there do you think anybody's going to be forgotten? Don't they seem to forget somebody every year? Oh, they always forget someone. One thing I will tell you. They forgot to nominate any female directors yet again. Oh, but, really? Oh, it's bad. I mean, it's just so bad. And this was a year where there were a fair amount of big movies. Like, movies that were praised, you know, in all these different ways. But the female directors didn't get nominated. You know, and it's just kind of like, wait... And this is happening. Why? Yeah. Because. So, yeah. 
kind of like it's all pretty white too and this is goes back to like a few years ago there was the hashtag oscar so white and you know and the the whole thing about you know women you know female directors and that and and crew and that kind of thing and it's i felt like there was a little things got better for a little bit and then it's gone back again yeah i said that when when we were talking about Golden Globes, mm. I say it again. Yeah, I'm beginning to sound like a broken record. <laughs> well, I mean, the record's gonna skip until you fix it. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but is uh, I'm not trying to wrap you up. But no, no. I just I just wanted to throw out those few things. Um, I'm just saying, I, I don't know if anybody's, you know, interested in tips for Oscar pools, but that's what everything, you know, everything's pointing towards is kind of that, you know, that group there. Vanessa's picks. Yeah. Or you can call well, it, I mean, you can speak and, and like I said, they could be and, the VD clinic picks. <laughs> okay. I don't yeah, know. And like I said, I've seen those a lot of other places too. Like that, that just seems not that the, you know, but just knowing how the Academy kind of tends to vote or has been voting to, this seems to be where they're going. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, and, um, so coming up in February, we are going to be doing... What are we going to be doing? Uh, what did we decide? I think you picked Daughters of the Dust or Daughters of Dust. Yes. And the I suggested that we were trying to pick... <clears throat> excuse me. What a Zora Neale Hurston book to go with it, <laughs> but not... And their eyes were watching God. Right. So we went with... Uh, Every Tongue Got to Confess. Yeah. By Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I already... I'm I'm about a a chapter, you know. I'm about Mm -hmm. a half hour in. (laughs) That's usually how I measure. I don't really remember page page numbers. I was like, I've been reading this long. Um, But, uh, so yeah... The, the movie is from what 1991 or something like that yes and yeah uh anyway so that that will be february we're, we're looking towards march madness yes and beyond but uh in between we are vd clinic pod at most social media places and at gmail.com if you want to write us old timey style and (laughs) you know facebook instagram twitter your favorite podcast downloading places if this is your first time uh checking us out and uh was there anything else before we say goodbye um do you have anything else going on outside the show that you want to say quickly or Oh, uh, well, let's see. Uh, over on Psychosemantic, 
uh, there is prob probably going to be some intermittent impeachment slash primary season stuff. Mm. But but looking ahead, um, I think uh, our dear friend Kit Power, who wrote a book about the Who rock opera Tommy and came on mm -hmm. and chatted about that. He is right. doing a fundraiser for a collection of writings about horror, I believe. And I, he and I are looking to record and have this out probably around the same time as that your as this episode is dropping. I think we are talking about now this is on the boundary of horror because it's more of an action film, but we should be talking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh. Um, which, if you saw at a proper age, was a gateway into more gore. But um, I think that's that's pretty much it. I think my, my other shows are kind of on break right now. And da -da -da -da, in the real world, I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Just drinking coffee and other things and doing the day by day that is the primary season so i'm a little bit more stressed out um yeah but yeah uh so it was this i think this was a good chat as as i usually are but i i know i was very hyper <laughs> no you're I'm, all good um you must have taken the uppers today yeah which ones are bups exactly <laughs> the writers on the storm for me. Uh, but I am going to go listen to Junkie Man, probably. <laughs> I I found it right uh, when we were on our little break. But anyway. Yeah. Until then, thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, dear listeners. Yeah, thank you, dear <laughs> listeners. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, lady. Shut up. <laughs> when I was a kid, I invited Jesus over to watch, or God over to watch the World Series. He never showed. So I got a bowl cut and started doing heroin. I should probably stop recording. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at vdclinicpod or reach us via email at vdclinicpod at gmail.com we also have a facebook group vd clinic podcast we'd love to hear your feedback suggestions and more <laughs>